Hitting revenue targets is hard and requires constant hustle. Last quarter's success is already forgotten. Learn the mindset and tactics of today's most successful revenue producers in B2B marketing and sales. We call this the revenue hustle. I'm your host, Tom Hessen, navigating you on this journey. Today's show is sponsored by Nine Lenses, an interactive assessment platform that enables you to add instant value to your buyers and allows your sales team to tailor business conversations focused on the pain points each and every time. Check them out at NineLenses.com. All right. This is Tom Hessen, your host of The Revenue Hustle, and I have the distinct pleasure of inviting Jen Spencer to the show. Jen, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Well, I'm glad to have this conversation. I've had the opportunity to get to talk to you a few times now, and I know you're very passionate on LinkedIn and, and just in sales in general. Um, and so I, I just had to invite you on and just kind of learn a little bit more about uh, you and, and your, your views on sales. And, and so I'm so happy to have that opportunity. Why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself um, and kind of your role today as Chief Revenue Officer at SmartBug Media. Would love to. Thank you so much. So Jen Spencer, CRO at SmartBug Media. SmartBug is an intelligent inbound marketing agency helping clients with their revenue growth goals through marketing strategy and execution. And um, I've been with SmartBug for almost four years. Before I came on board here, I was actually a client twice at two different software companies. So I have been living and breathing marketing and sales and the intersection of those two for quite a while now. Um, with this new role, becoming the CRO, I now also oversee client services. And so I have another kind of foot or arm or appendage of some kind inside of customer success, yes. uh, which is really exciting. Awesome. Well, you have a lot of experience I, and I saw that and we'll talk more about that as we kind of go through today. But, um, you know, as the CEO of Nine Lenses, we're kind of in that marketing and sales from a technology standpoint. I think it's very interesting just as you talk about marketing and sales and now customer success, you really do own the entire life cycle. So you have a lot of opinions on what goes into a good customer journey and to drive revenue. So I'm just going to open it up. You guys know we do these revenue rules. So Jen, what is your revenue rule? So one revenue rule is to bubble wrap the customer in the sales to customer success handoff. Mm. True, spoken like a true CRO, because <laughs> if you were a, a VP of sales, you probably never would have said that. So tell me, how did you come to that? I mean, obviously you kind uh, of stepped into that one. Yeah, well, I, I listen, I was an advocate of that, of really taking care of that, that, that handoff and, um, and, but just in my, in the time I've spent at SmartBug and watching, you know, going through those kind of sales to CS handoffs, um, I always knew it was important, but it, it's of course not until you now are leading the people and you're owning the KPIs around customer satisfaction and churn and upsells and cross-sells that you realize how critical that handoff is. And, 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 you know, there was a time in my career where I would have said all of that can be automated and there's no reason for kind of any sort of human to human connection conversation. And maybe if you work in a really transactional type of sale, then that, that's going to be the case. My, my rules come from selling complex solutions. Um, 
that are highly customized to the buyer's needs. And so the more complex the solution is, and the more unique each customer is from one to another, the more important it is to have kind of human to human handoffs. Um, and it's a mix of, I believe in a mix of tech using technology to your advantage so that your time is spent really wisely um, and you're not passing over, verbally passing over details that can easily be gleaned from a CRM or could be yeah. sent as an automated type of um, internal email notification or report by pulling in properties from your CRM that were collected all throughout the sales process. Like that's a great way to use yeah. software, right? Because yeah, I know you're, especially at SmartBug, I mean, you guys are doing a lot of HubSpot, you know, implementations, design, rollouts, um, and so you probably know how to use those systems very well, um, but you, you're saying there's limitations, obviously, to all that's learned. And I think another point that I wanted to come back to is like the types of products that you've been selling, complex, highly configured or customized to the client needs, how much you learn in the sales process, right? Because I think yeah. it starts by just how much time and effort you spend in the sales cycle. It's hard to document all that stuff or you need to you need to do your best to a capture it, B hands it off in the right way so it not gets lost. But is that right? Just because of how much you're learning in the sales cycle? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's um you can kind of templatize and it, you can templatize templatize a lot of things and you should whatever you possibly can, but it's the context behind the answer, the context behind the behind the reason that gives you a step ahead when that that customer success professional is now starting to work with your new your new customer and understanding some of the background the why behind each you know choice that they're making sometimes it's the personalities or some of the, the internal struggles that you know that organization may have had and there might not be an appropriate place or space for that to live inside of your crm but it's things that you know in the sales process sales representatives we get close to our buyers we spend the more time we spend with them we often become friends. I mean, right. you hear people, they, they become friends with each other um, and, and those relationships that are, are built. There's a lot of value that happens when a salesperson really is running in a, a relationship and a, a kind of a sale. And there's there's quite a bit that needs to, to get to get shared over so that the customer feels like, okay, you really understand me. There, there hasn't been an interruption in my relationship with your company, with your brand. And we're not also wasting time. I don't have to rehash everything I've already shared or, and, and you're, you're really able to take it here from here and run with it. There's nothing more frustrating in the buyer's journey, that experience, than feeling like you have to repeat yourself from right. SDR to AE, from AE to CSM, from CSM to support specialist. No one wants to have to no. like relive it. It's a beautiful thing when it's like everyone that's touching my account already knows what's going on with me. And 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 in the in in the early days of integrated solutions and integrated teams, I think customers just appreciated this um, that connectivity. I think now, it's expected. Yes, 
And I think it also helps to ensure that you hit your goals within customer success, right? So, I mean, there's a, there's a customer benefit, but then there's also a monetary benefit in terms of the better experience, the renewal rate, right? Because again, you can absolutely identify problems before they happen, or at least keep the ship going in the right direction, right? With the customer. And there's not just some sort of, oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize that. And then you kind of have to step back and, you know, and, and kind of go through that. I mean, is that something that you've, I mean, witness firsthand, just you try to fix this, you know, in your new new role, I guess it's not so new anymore, but um, did it start there and kind of now, are you educating customers, you know, as part of your, um, you know, so, sort of the services you're providing or, or some of the expertise that you're sharing? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely my, the intent, it, it's intensified, the need for this kind of collaboration has intensified. And what we've noticed is that when we do have these stronger kind of handoffs that are more contextual and we're spending that time in that 30 minute meeting, we're not talking about the super simple transactional types of things. Those are getting passed over through automation, but we're spending that time talking about the health of that customer and what kind of trust the customer is putting in our hands and where we fit in to everything else with everything else that they're doing, those customers have a more successful onboarding, which means we're able to achieve ROI from the, for them faster, which mm -hmm. means they're happier, which means they're stickier. And then they refer us business because they are then really becoming true evangelists of our work earlier and earlier in our relationship with them. That's an awesome way to state the benefits of it, making that investment. So how did you get there? So was it, it's technology, obviously. So how did you, did you sit that, like step back and say, mm -hmm. all right, you know, how did you kind of construct the process that you have now, like between the technology yeah. and what you focus on? Like, how did you, I'm sure it was a bit of a process yourself, but how did you kind of go about making that change? Honestly, it was from reading postmortem churn notes. It was looking at, you know, when, if we lose a customer and we read the report of, okay, because we do an exit interview with our customers to find out why they're leaving. And we always look at, well, what could we have done better? And there's a component in this, there's a component in the sales process, typically. Um, sometimes there might be something from a marketing perspective, right? Like maybe, maybe a misconstrued, misunderstood message or something, but typically not, typically not. Usually it's something in the sales process that we might've missed or skipped. Um, and, and, and that was really critical to know or a red flag that we ignored. Um, sometimes sales reps ignore red flags when maybe they, they want to, they're a little bit far removed from that number that they're chasing. Um, so there's that. And then there's also, of course, like on the client services team of what are some of the things we did? Maybe we got let our own process get in the way of, of their success, or we didn't, there was something with the relationship we missed or something with the content, right? Like there's always, the, we try to inspect it from like every every angle possible um, to see what what we could have done better. Um, even in a case where if a customer says, well, listen, I would have stayed with you. We got acquired or we this or we that, or we're finally, you know, we're, we're bringing this in house and thank you so much. We still look introspectively at like, well, okay, sure. But looking back on this relationship, what could we have done? And from that, 
we were able to refine a bit of our sales discovery process. And so it did start with looking at, well, how do we keep customers longer? Or how could we improve that customer experience? And then going back to the sales process and then implementing some new, you know, some changes there. Um, so getting the feedback from our leaders on the customer success side was really a, like a big catalyst for, yeah. for making some of these changes. Wow. And so it sounds like you learned things you didn't anticipate, right? Just from learning about, you, know, you had to do the work, right? You had to dig in, kind of really understand why they were leaving. Because that's not always shared or not easily volunteered if you don't ask. You really have to kind of get in there. Um, and then that led all the way back up through the sales process to the discovery, maybe a little bit in marketing. Um, so mm -hmm. it kind of streamlined, right? Because again, I think one of the points that, that I took away is like, if you don't do discovery right, you may not get the right fit customer, right? Or you may not fully understand right. their problem, which automatically puts them at risk for a not a good experience, right? In the in the term. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's almost always something that we look back and go, oh wait, okay, we could have done this or we should have asked that or, you know, we should have like pulled on that thread. Um, and, and yeah, you just, you, you do kind of learn, it's, it, it's, it, you learn a lot and it's always evolving, right? So yeah. we did like a big, a big change. We did a big kind of revamp at our, in January for our 2021 sales kickoff. Um, and, and that was kind of the first, but it's not, it doesn't mean it's the last, it doesn't mean it's the last sure. kind of iteration, right? It's something we're constantly working on. Now, how did this, how did your teams respond to either this additional process, maybe additional work now in the sales process, having to kind of fill out the forms or whatnot, rather than just kind of mm -hmm. showing up and like just spewing at the mouth, you know, for 30 minutes. And I'm sure customer success sales may have had different views on, you know, the perceived benefit or, or outcome there, but how, how the team take it as you kind of roll these things out? The team took it really well, actually, because I ended up eliminating a lot of manual work for them. So it actually, it we, we leaned into our tool set. So build out playbooks inside of HubSpot's, HubSpot CRM and with each, each response being a property on that contact record. And then with that being a property on the contact record, now it can be it can be automated. So we can easily kind of create different reports or different, um, you know, different messages that come in from using those fields. So more work in theory upfront. I mean, honestly, it's like the same kind of stuff we that the sales rep should have been getting to begin with, right. but but just a little bit more of a polished view so we can see exactly what they might've missed um, as opposed to just being like free form notes. And then, um, but on, then on the back end, we, we were having the sales reps fill out just a worksheet that was in Google Docs um, that was kind of to guide the conversation. So it was a duplication of effort. And so I originally went into the project trying thinking about my sales team and thinking, hmm, how do I get them how do I eliminate as much additional admin work as possible for them? So I went, all right, well, dudes, if you're if you do your job right the first time, like, and you get the critical information that you know already know you need, but I make it a requirement, then you're gonna have less work later. And that then when you do your handoff, you can focus on like having a conversation that actually matters as opposed to just trading like low-level details. Facts. Yeah, because yeah, that's that's what you wrote down is that you're now having a more um, meaningful discussion because you're not focused on all the 
nitty gritty details, transactional stuff that you can just easily capture and they can look up or just print out or something, look at while you're having the more mm -hmm. meaningful um, dialogue. Yep. And I assume, I assume that the, in this case, that the customer success person is responsible for the renewal and the sales rep is not, is not. That is correct. Right. That is okay. correct. Yep. That is correct. So. And, and so how, like, how long has this process been in place now? Um, at least in its more or less current form. And, and what have you seen as a result of that? Um, it's been in place for four months, um, give or take a handful of weeks. And the results so far have been um, that the new customers that we're bringing on are better aligned with our ideal customer profile and are having fewer, experiencing fewer challenges during their first few weeks in working with us. Gotcha. And, and I think one of the things, again, we're, we're having these conversations at Nine Lenses, and I don't think you ever stop having the, com the conversation about who is your ideal customer profile. Because if you don't get that right, mm -hmm. it, you know, process be damned, you're, you're going to struggle to get, you know, the fit or, or the value or whatever it may be. Um, and, and it sounds like that was, you know, this whole thing just helped crystallize, right? Reading the notes, understanding what, why they churn, you probably tweaked your ideal customer profile, and now you've made sure you've captured that all the way through the process, right? And that obviously just mm -hmm. lends itself to a better overall experience. Is that fair? Is that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's one of the things that that's hard for us and it's, and I, uh, I feel, I mean, I, I empathize with my sales team because I, I was I was our one of our first sales reps, right? When I first came here, this is what, this is what I did. I just I I, just, I sold services, um, and we can help pretty much everyone. Like there's yeah. really very few people we can't we can't help, and so you get on a call with someone and you really like them and that you love what they're trying to do and you know we can help them, but it it takes a lot of discipline to say, okay, wait a minute, but you're really not going to be the best fit for working with them because of the way we work because of the way we operate because of the way they operate and what their needs are even though we yeah. can help we probably aren't the best fit to help them um and so that is challenging it's like we have a really clear icp but there's there's still this gray right yeah, yeah, and there's always... like kind of this like gut check of like well there's areas where we go well these are red flags and none of them are like showstoppers but if you have a certain number of them combined together then it could be and there's just all these nuances to the relationship um and it's it's a much harder from a leadership perspective it's much harder to coach and support your team if you don't have all of the information. And so building out the playbooks and making that part of the sales discovery process, um, it and, and leaning on other enrichment tools that we have and using our tech stack, you know, that, that's helped us um, have also quality conversations with our prospects during the sales process. So we're not wasting time, their time, right? Having low level conversations about things that they can answer for us ahead of the call through like a really simple, you know, type of a, a survey or something that we assessment, might be able to maybe. glean or an assessment. <laughs> yep. Or something we might be able to glean. There we something go. we might be able to glean from from Zoom info or what have you. Um, and we can val quickly validate and then move on to having a discussion that actually 
adds value during the sales process for the yeah, customer. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. No, this is great. This is, uh, you know, something, um, you know, it's a unique perspective because not everyone gets to own both new customers and renewals. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you also own marketing as well as the CRO? Or is there, is there a, uh, you do. do, you own marketing too? Yep, I do. I do. Okay, you've got all the you got all the the, the continents over there. Well, that's um, <laughs> so you own the whole end end process. So I mean, it's great visibility, which I think is what makes this work because a lot of times that handoff can be challenging, just like marketing mm -hmm. to sales handoff can be equally, you know, because it's usually leader A to leader B and then to leader C, um, you know. So streamlining that under one leader certainly can make those friction points um, a lot smoother. So no, great job. I, I'm. I'm going to call you later as we kind of scale out this process on our side with our okay. HubSpot environment. Um, well, I know you had another area that you're very passionate about, and and uh, um, I really want to talk about this. So let's jump right into what is your second revenue rule? We kind of backed into this in a way, but it's don't be afraid to slow down the sales process. And I said that's crazy, right? You're gonna you're gonna <laughs> throw yourself out of the sales profession. I mean, that's like heresy right there. It's always go faster, right? Faster. Yeah. Uh, but so, I, but I, I know exactly where this is probably going to go, but I really want to hear about this. So it's, yeah. it's uh, go ahead. Tell us more. Sure. So when I look back on any kind of customer, new cust customer relationship that like turned out not so great, we always went too fast in the sales mm -hmm. process every single dang time. Um, and, and, and most of the time, Tom, it was, it was, it's the customer pushing. It's the customer fast. being like, um, we need this. I need this. I have to buy this by this time. My money budget expires by this date. And, you know, we're like, okay, go, 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 go. Right. Like just thinking about that close happens a lot at the end of the year. Right. And, and so it's, but that's where, that's where so many mistakes happen because that's where you you make assumptions the customer makes assumptions the buyer i guess before their customer makes assumptions about the value you provide or how you work they tend to be have blinders on they've decided they've talked themselves into deciding that you're the best fit and you're you're going to be able to help them achieve their goals and then they they oversell themselves and in turn they then oversell their teams and then they are pissed if they misunderstood something and now they look like an idiot in front of their team. And so anytime we have somebody who is like wants to go, go and they want to skip our process and they want to skip commitments that we look for during the sales process, it's when I go, whoa, time out. Like, nope, this is moving way, way, way too fast, way too fast. Um, so I know it sounds kind of scary, you know, everyone wants to close. So when I see like, oh, wow, sales cycle length was only three days. Well, wait a minute. Our average sales cycle length is 36. Like yeah. three days shouldn't be celebrated. That's not okay. I get it. If it's like, hey, it was 36 and now we got it down to 29. All right. All right. Like that sounds, that sounds like you could still do all the work that right. needs to happen in 29 days. That sounds reasonable. Three days. That's alarming. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is when you talk about that is is uh, you're right. You typically celebrate just any business that comes in, but again, we talked about before, like they're going to churn. It's going to be a bad experience, and then it just the amount of um, work, oftentimes, it has to be made up because to fill the gap, or you know, it oftentimes you know you know what rolls downhill, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so the vendor or your buyer is like, hey, I bought this. 
this is what I I thought you guys said I could do. You guys got to make that work. And now mm-hmm. you guys are left holding the bag because it's either like, well, we're either going to just let this guy or gal trashes for, you know, the next nine months um, or we're going to try to salvage something. Right. Because it, it seems like that's where it's always left with, you know, the vendor, the service provider, the software vendor, et cetera, to kind of make things whole. I mean, that's how yeah. I feel. Um, yeah. We took their money and now yeah. I've got to make something make magic happen. But sometimes you just can't. And so it's often worse is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. I mean, and yeah, you're a bit you're right. Like your brand's on the line. Right. Your reputation. You want to do right by your customer. You're invested in this partnership. So you're going to go above and beyond. But then what kind of a strain are you putting on your customer success team or your delivery team? And how is that impacting their happiness, their work? Like they're like if they leave, if they have, if they go through like having like four or five customers in a row that have this nightmarish onboarding experience because of misses in the sales process, they're not going to stick around. They're going to go work somewhere else. And so that win that you celebrated last quarter is going to cost you an arm and a leg because yeah. now you yeah. got to backfill that role and train that role. And, and, and so it's, it, you, it might feel like, Oh, this is a quick win, a quick celebration for you. Uh, but it has long lasting implications that can really hurt your bottom line. Now, is it, you know, I certainly see, um, you know, friction sometimes when you're trying to get a customer to slow down in the, in the sales process. Mm-hmm. Um, like sometimes you're like, Oh, I want a demo. And, and, and I'm of the opinion, like in, in the software world, you know, a demo to me is actually what I call a solution presentation. Like I just don't log into the software and start clicking around because I have no idea like what your business problems are, mm-hmm. you know, how our software solves your problem. So don't just expect me to pull up my software on the first call and just start clicking around because it's like just like a someone called it a harbor tour, you know, just kind of yeah. cruising around. You just don't know really what the heck you're showing. Yeah. And some people just when they're like, no, I want to see the software. I'm like, I don't know what to show you. I don't even know what to tell you. And you can see the friction, right, sometimes the pumping the brakes, um, you know, and I don't know exactly everything in your sales process, but like, like, is that similar? If you're trying to, you know, push them back a bit and say, no, we've got to have this meeting, this exercise and, and um, you know, just slow them down to kind of go through the formal process. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's just like in software sales, how, yeah, you do want to kind of guide them through and you want to show them how using the tool is going to solve their, their specific, their unique problem. It's going to make it better for them. Um, you know, in services sales, people might say, well, just send me your service catalog. I just want to see your price list. I want, that's, not how that's not the kind of relationship we have yeah. then i know well you're just literally looking at me the same way you would look at like a freelanced outsource vendor and that's not what we do like that's not the kind of work that we do and there are plenty of other people who want to work with us in the way that we want to work with right. customers and so sometimes we have to say oh it seems like we're maybe not a really good fit for you and and you know and that's and that's kind of that's kind of fine um same thing with like rfps so if we're invited to respond to, you know, there's an RFP, we'll, we'll look at it. And if we think we might be a good fit, we'll say, hey, we think we could be a good fit, but this is what, let us explain to you what our process is and why it's important. And we need to be able to have these numbers of, commu- of conversations with you. And if you can honor that, great, let's, let's, we're in. And if you can't, and it's just this blind kind of like, just submit this 80 page deck, then we pass. Right. And, and it's, you know, 
there was a time it was like 50 50 but it's actually it's improving um where more and more people are opening themselves up and i'm seeing fewer like and parts part of it's the industries we're in, but fewer like RFPs and 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 more like, yeah, no, 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 no. We just use this RFP to like organize our thoughts. And yeah, we're totally open to a conversation. Um, even yeah. though the yeah. documentation may not say that explicitly, you know, we're 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 asking and and then that's a leg up in the relationship part and, and getting us, you know, through the process too. Right, right. No, no, that's great. And I think like an extension of kind of the two points, two rules that we've talked about is sometimes you have to fire a customer. Right, because there may oh, be some yeah. times where they want to leave, you know, whether because it's you know bad experience or whatnot, and you're trying to fix that. But there may be times when something happens that it just, you know, they're no longer a good fit. Right, like how do you deal with that? Because uh, that that does happen and should happen. Yeah. So I, 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 there are two, there have been two times in the last couple of years where I've had to tell a prospect who wanted, who was like, send me a contract. I want to, I want to hire you. And I've had to say, I'm sorry, no. Um, and it is really uncomfortable. <laughs> it's really uncomfortable. Someone's like, I, I want to give you money. I'm like, yeah, no, we can't take it. Um, and, and the way I approach it from that perspective is, is I say, um, I like to, you know, just basically say, say to them, when we bring on a new customer, when we bring on a new client, we we do so on, under this assumption that we're going to make you wildly successful. That's what we, that's what we're here to do. And so if we feel that we cannot make you wildly successful, then we don't want to enter into this partnership because ultimately you know, we we know that your success is what matters more than just this contract for us to work together. Right, right, right. And and people, um, they don't take it well. It's 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 it's. I recently had a conversation. I mean, so they're arguing with me and like wanting to understand more. I mean, it, it it's 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 tricky. And there's a lot of emotions and personal other things, right? There's, it's usually about something else. It's usually not about us. It's usually about right. something else going on. Yeah. So, but that's, we really have to kind of stay, tr stay true to who we are and, 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 and know, okay, this is how we know we can help. And I kind of put it back on us. Like we don't have the skills or we don't have this, or we're not set up to support you the way you need and want to be supported. Right. So, um, kind of putting it, putting it on us. The conversation after they've been a customer and it's really not working out to be to be honest tom it's like it's usually more it's it's you it's it's like a breakup where you come to that conclusion like together, together. Yeah, right? right and and okay clearly like you're unhappy with this you're unhappy with that and and so it, the, i think it's time you know kind of we, we part ways yeah, yeah. really it, it, it's happened like May, again, like maybe like twice over the time I've been here, um, and but you know it, it doesn't. It, it really it's not like a frequent. Yeah, I think thing. that just happens with any relationship of any you know any kind. I mean, there's things change, things you know, just any number of things, right? Like um, you know, expectations are out of line, and and you know, we just have some customers you know that ask the world of us and want to pay us nothing. Yeah, and then the idea of like saying I can't really do that for X amount of dollars, like that's just crazy. Like nobody can, and it's like mm -hmm. offensive to them to for them to you know to, to hear that, um, and and just some people have unex you know unrealistic expectations that you just never can make people happy. And I my first uh, my first job was at a car wash, 
and you know you wash your car you drive around and i would vacuum your inside and i wash your windows and wipe mm-hmm. everything down and we had some customers you could spend an hour inside their car working you know top to bottom and there would always be they'd always come yeah you know point out something they'd be un unhappy and and it's just like they're miserable people you know and then yeah. just like there's nothing you can do to make everybody happy and and i think you're right like eventually you'll kind of get there and it's probably good for both to, to part but uh it's nothing really um but i just thought that was kind of an interesting extension to you know everything you're doing from marketing to sales to cs um and you know making sure you're doing everything right and sometimes things can still sour right just like any any yeah. um any 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 Anytime people are working together, there's an opportunity for that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I, I should say, I should say like, usually if it's, if it's like an expectation around kind of scope or what they need, it, the, the, the challenge typically needs to be, it usually is around like, Hey, we didn't really budget for that because we, you signed up for this, you know, and so we can do this for you, but it'll cost X amount more. And this is why, and then they have a choice business decision to make. The times where we're really kind of terminating a relationship, it's usually like they've been abusive. They're berating the team. They're, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, very like gross, like unprofessional. So it's gotcha. um, it comes with a lot of extra emotion because we're 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 people delivering work. We're not robots. <laughs> so we're not robots <laughs> delivering work yeah. to robots, right? Right. It's so it there's there's those complexities. So that's why it doesn't doesn't happen a lot, but. We've met some interesting people for sure. No, no, there always are. And I, I just think like just um, just in the time we've had today, just being able to see you speak the entire spectrum from new business acquisition. I mean, we didn't touch a whole lot on marketing demand gen stuff, but just all the way through the life cycle. And I can see, you know, why you are a CRO. And and I'd love to learn a little bit about how you kind of got into sales. Um, you know, I, I know you've got an interesting background. Um you know, as a teacher and, and, you know, so just love to learn how you kind of got in there. I mean, kind of how you found your way. So take us back. I was, I was forced, I was forced into sales now. No one, no one's ever forced into anything. Right. Um, or rarely, but I had, I've always been a very like revenue focused sort of sales focused marketer. Um, I, I, I became a marketer when I was working in nonprofit professional theater. I worked for Arizona theater company, it was called marketing, the marketing team, but I ran the box offices in both um, Tucson and Phoenix, Arizona. I ran the our telemarketing um, team, who is like OG cold callers, right? Like, um, <laughs> come down know, to this weekend's show, right? Yeah, you know, and well, and, and selling subscriptions and or oh, okay. trying yep. to sell Never. like someone bought a ticket once, and so can we get them to buy, <clears throat> sign up for like a six six play pass and you know the place where you know the the doom and gloom room often you know getting heard no um so but really i mean i would walk into that office every day and look at like a printout of the ticket sales report from the night before this is before a lot of really cool technology <laughs> and especially being nonprofit. um but um but in looking at that ticket sales report and then being like all right we now have X amount of inventory to sell, X amount of shows left, and what marketing changes do we need to ha- need to happen so that we can try to hit these goals? Because if we don't hit the ticket goal, if we don't hit the goals, then we left to like furlough people or lay people off. And so very, very like like results-driven marketing right. sure. to put like literally put butts in butts seats. Butts in seats. My job. 
um, which then prepared me very well for SaaS startup life. So, um, so I joined joined Allbound um, after you know there, there were a couple of software companies in between the theater and Allbound. But when I joined Allbound, I originally signed up to be the director of marketing, and I was in for like maybe a week, maybe. And um, and our, our CEO was like, "Can can you do sales too? What do you think?" I'm like, "Sure, let's do it." You know, so. I just started like marketing by night, like doing kind of like late afternoon, evenings, weekends, marketing. And then, cause we were really early. We were like, we were pre-revenue, pre-product. We were like, we had an idea, right? Like I barely had a product to demo. Most, I had like right. Envision designs. Um, and then during the day I was doing the battle demo we talked about at the beginning of the show. You know, the like, let me take you on a tour yeah, of my right. platform. And this is where this is. And this is where that is. Because I didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> you know. Um, and and that's how <clears throat> that's how I got started. And wow. it was really cool because then I would have these calls and these sales calls. And I go, wait a minute. Okay, like we got the buyer persona a little bit wrong on this persona. And like, we got to make this change. And so it, it allowed, it actually allowed us to, at an, as an early stage organization, it allowed us to really iterate on our buyer personas and it allowed, allowed us to get better product market fit way faster than we would have if there would have been two different people doing sales right. and marketing. Right. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Because I mean, I think that's, in, in, even at nine lenses, I mean, I talked to a lot of customers and, and, uh, you know, it just goes right into the product, you know, cause mm -hmm. that's where it all gets shaped and you hear the, you know, the good and the bad and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and so, um, then you went to SmartBug after that, right? So you were, did you mm -hmm. land kind of in sales more so than marketing after that, or kind of, uh, you know, are, are you yeah. more a salesperson at heart doing marketing or are you more of a marketer doing sales? Cause I, I, you know, I'm a market, I'm a salesperson that I'm learning marketing, you know, so it does not come natural to me writing copy and, and certain things, the strategy part does, but gosh, there are a lot of domains in marketing. I'm probably more of a marketer doing sales, but it's so it, it's really hard. It's like when I was at all that, but right before I left, like my board was like, they wanted me to pick a lane. They were like, pick a lane. Like, which one do you want? Right. And I'm like, no, I cannot pick. Right. Cannot choose. Um, and and so SmartBug is awesome. It's the best of all of my worlds because I get to sell marketing services. Yeah. So yes. it like so if I was in a if I worked for a completely different technology, let's say I work for a technology company that did like like a med tech or health tech, you know, company or educational technology or something like that. Put put me, you know, well, no, put me in not educational technology, put like med tech, put me in in marketing, right? Like put me in marketing, that makes the most sense for me. But if I've been the persona, put me in sales because I I have the sales skills, but I also understand kind of the yeah. life like the day-to-day -day of that persona. And that makes me a really good salesperson. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm where exactly where I need to be. Um, and uh, and no, why this works great. so well. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a great. It's amazing to see kind of all the skills kind of coming together here and in the, in the history and the, and the experience kind of lending itself. Um, and and so I'm, I'm grateful for having you on the show today and just kind of learning um, your perspective. I got two pages worth of notes here. And uh, I've got you on speed dial because I this the CS handoff thing is is um, 
you know, critical, especially for a SaaS company. I mean, for any company, but I mean, like SaaS is built on renewals. Um, you can't scale if you don't. And even, you know, it sounds like you've somehow productized your services to renew in some capacity, which is which is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but um, please come back and visit us again. I want to stay in touch. And uh, as a HubSpot, you know, customer, it sounds like um, you'll be on my list of people as we look to scale some of that stuff too. So that's been awesome. So thank you very much, Wonderful. Jen. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Would love to come back and help in any way I can. And um, and yeah, there are so many cool things, especially HubSpot just launched Operations Hub, which really basically it just put, takes the sales hub, the whole CRM, and it just puts it on steroids and it's super cool. So pretty much anything you've ever really wanted to do with your customer relationship management, you can do now. And it's really fun. Wow. So I'm enjoying it. Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to The Revenue Hustle. This episode has been brought to you by Nine Lenses. Close more deals with interactive assessments. Check them out at ninelenses.com. See you next time.